Welcome to Tales from the Office. My name is Jeff Brandler. For our new listeners everywhere, especially new listeners on the win, welcome to the show and allow me to introduce myself. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified addiction specialist, and substance abuse professional with 27 years of clinical experience. Tales from the Office is a show about my observations of people, topics, and issues that occur in the office. I get to use creativity, humor, and music to explain these observations. Today on the show we have two tales. The first is entitled Making Movies. Psychotherapy is a long feature film complete with good guys, bad guys, and good plot elements. We'll discuss how to make these films Oscar worthy. The second is entitled The Second Inning. As the baseball season heads to the playoffs we need a primer on what happens after the first inning. We also need to see how that relates to change. Thanks for joining me. Our first tale starts now. We've all seen movies. Some are Hollywood-made, multi-million dollar productions. Some are small, independent films made on a low budget. Some have big-name stars. Others are filled with no names. What they all have in common is someone telling us a story. At its best, the storytelling is engaging. It brings us into the movie, allowing us to emotionally identify with the plot, the characters, or the setting. This identification gives us a long-lasting memory of the event. All of your favorite movies have accomplished this task. What makes movie making so interesting is its team of movie makers. You have the writers, the director, the producer, the cinematographer, as well as the countless people who end up on the credits. These folks have all contributed to making the, the film that you've just watched and making it enjoyable. Therapy is one big movie. It's told from a first-person perspective. It's autobiographical. The characters in the drama come to life through the eyes of my client. He or she conveys this to me in my office on a regular basis. The client has thoughts, ideas, and feelings about the various players in the film. The boss, the spouse, the kids, the friends. It's my job to first understand who the players are and try to see the big picture. Unlike the Hollywood ensembles, my cast of movie makers are my client and myself. We are the directors, producers, and cinematographers of the therapy film. We're making a validating and supportive movie of my client's experience through the therapy process. One of the things that we may do over time is to look at other interpretations of the film, and we'll do that together. These interpretations come from a questioning of other motives or a client making a connection between past and present events. One of the more amazing movie-making events is where a client shares a secret with me. Secrets are usually charged with guilt, shame, remorse, and self-loathing. For a person to share this event requires a great deal of trust on their part. They will have to know that although sharing the secret will be safe, it will also be quite emotional and quite painful. Many years ago, in the summer, a young woman named Sue came to see me due to her anxiety. We were examining the nature of her anxiety and working on some better coping strategies. In one session, we were talking about her family history. Sue was beginning to discuss her relationship with her mom and began to tearily share some painful events. As she did this, it began to rain outside. Soon the rain became stronger as Sue began to cry more. She stated, I need to tell you something I've never told anyone. 
At that moment, a large deafening burst of thunder erupted from the summer sky. This was followed by extensive lightning, more thunder, and more lightning. The office lights flickered as Sue told more and more of her secret. Hollywood could not have filmed this better. As the session ended, the outside storm also ended, giving us both a similar conclusion. The storms have been quite healing, both atmospherically and therapeutically. Sue continued her gains in therapy and moved away from her family in a healthy way. We referenced that summer thunderstorm as a turning point in therapy. What a movie! Recently, I had the pleasure to see the movie Sarah's Key. The movie occurs in the 1940s as the French people have decided to move the Jewish population out of France. Sarah is a 10-year-old child who is whisked away in the middle of the night to the camps that held all the French people. This is a sad movie that is beautifully filmed with haunting music. Without ruining the movie, let us note that the key that Sarah holds onto throughout the movie is a significant plot element. Ironically, that key is the symbol of the sharing of the family's secrets. Much like in my office, once the secret is out, then healing can occur. When people have secrets that they've held on to, the therapeutic movies are like horror films. We learn who the monster is and the damage that's been done. As people share about the damage, they, forget, they begin to produce a film that is brighter and ultimately happier. These therapeutic movies become ones of healing and joy and will win the Oscar for Best Movie. Coming up next on Tales from the Office, the second inning. This will start right after we take a short music break. Tales from the Office. Now that I have the key to the highway, it's time for baseball. Imagine that you are the hotshot new pitcher coming into Yankee Stadium for your professional debut. The adrenaline is pumping. 50,000 fans are yelling and screaming on your every move. They're cheering for your success. They're chanting your name. The more the crowd yells, the more pumped up you are. 
You feel like Superman on the mound. No one can hit your pitches. You get out of the first inning. Your heart is pumping. You feel flushed, and you are sweating. You go to the bench and sit down. You try to desperately relax, but while you are watching your teammates bat, a scary thought comes to you. You have to pitch the second inning. The fear and self-doubt creep in. You think, can I do this? I mean, I just did it, but maybe this was a fluke. On and on come the scary and self-doubting thoughts. By the time you hit the mound for the second inning, you are a wreck. The person who dominated the team in inning one has been replaced by the scared, insecure little boy trying to pitch. The results of the second inning are now predictable. The other team hits everything you pitch. You get knocked out and sent to the showers. You walk off the mound humiliated and embarrassed. Change is sometimes like baseball. It's a nine-inning game. For some people, starting is the hardest part. Making that initial phone call, the 10,000-pound phone that I have to pick up to say, I need help. You would be amazed how many calls there are on my caller ID in which no message is left. That tells me that even after I make the call, leaving the message is equally as hard. Once I have the conversation and make the appointment, then I start having doubt. Did I say too much? Did I lie? Did I convey what I need? Anxiety continues as I have to show up and meet the therapist. What do I say? Do I say everything at once? Do I tell the story gradually? After I show up and complete my first session, then I start having more thoughts. Is this really what I want to do? Is he really going to help me? Maybe my problems aren't as bad as I thought. Should I just cancel my appointment now or wait? For other people, the hard part of change is not starting, it's continuing. They start off like a house on fire. They are compliant. They are motivated. They do everything. They do everything they've always wanted to do. They lose weight. They join a gym. They get a new job. They get rid of the bad relationship, or whatever the issue was that was plaguing them. And then it happens. The first inning is over. Now it's time for the second inning. Therapy now gets hard. People struggle. They miss appointments. They stop doing assignments. Their enthusiasm for change comes to a screeching halt. Their ambivalence for change comes right to the top. They kind of want to be better, but they kind of don't. The confident person who started therapy is replaced by the scared, I don't know if I can do this thing, person. They think, maybe I should keep my symptoms and call it a day. When I was in graduate school and began to learn about counseling, we spent an enormous amount of time on the first session. Goals of the first session, the do's and don'ts, etc. There was required reading, a book entitled The First Interview. Part of the class was all about role playing. We role played the first session over and over again. The first session apparently was the most important thing in the history of counseling. Funny, I don't remember a discussion of the second session. It's almost as if when the therapist does all these first session things and connects with the client, you will magically what to, you know what to do in the second session. The second session is the hardest because it's not the first. The second inning of change is the hardest, I believe, because it's gut check time. Do I really want to be better? Do I really want to feel as good as I've been feeling? Do I deserve to feel this good? 
The second inning is also about maintaining the changes that I've made. Ask anybody who's lost weight, ask them what's the hardest part of weight loss. They'll tell you keeping the weight off. Most people are great at losing weight. They know every trick, but they are poor at keeping the weight off. The maintenance part of change is as important as the starting part. Most people's idea of maintenance is to keep doing what they're doing. It can't be that easy. If it was, every weight loser, alcoholic, and gambler would never relapse. They would just keep doing what they're doing. In their landmark book about change, Procrasta and De Clementi write, Maintenance is not about the absence of change, but the continuance of change. Maintenance does not keep on doing what I've been doing, but how do I keep my change going? What are the obstacles for change? What are the issues that bog down change? What are the internal struggles that keep me from change? The second inning is not about pitching to the same batters the same way. It's about learning who the hitters are, what are their strengths and weaknesses, and most importantly, what are my strengths and weaknesses? Once I know all of this, how do I use this new knowledge to keep change happening? What I want to do is start well and finish well. If I do the starting and the maintenance, then I can win the game. I'm now ready for the start of the playoffs to watch my favorite team compete in not only the first inning, but all nine innings. In order to win, you need a good team, whether on the baseball field, the movie studio, or the psychotherapy office. I've been fortunate to have good teammates in my office in order to help produce change. If you have any thoughts or comments about today's tales, feel free to contact me. There are several ways to do so. At my website, www.changeispossible.org, by email, jeffbrandler at gmail.com, Twitter, at jeffbrandler, or my Facebook page. Hope you enjoyed today's Tales from the Office. I'll be back soon with more winning tales. For Tales from the Office, I'm Jeff Brandler.